There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. LMFM Podcasts, brought to you with Cartmacross Credit Union. Getting hitched? Cartmacross Credit Union likes to say I do when financing your wedding loan. O'Neill Street, Cartmacross or cartmacrosscu.ie. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors. Get low as can be APR, zero deposit required and finance arranged within four hours with all 191 pre-ordered Renaults. What are you waiting for? There's never been a better time to visit Blackstone Motors, Dundalk, Drada or Cavan. You're very welcome to a brand new week of Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. Meant to tell you last week, folks, that I heard the cuckoo about a week ago. Not this weekend, the weekend uh, previous and heard him again this weekend. Not in this neck of the woods, of course, but in Sligo where I fish. Yes, it was lovely to hear him yesterday going. Now, not as many cuckoos, I don't think, over there this year as I remember in previous years. But at least we heard the cuckoo. And it's a real harbinger of late spring, summer time, isn't it? And again, I'll ask you, I think I mentioned this before on a number of occasions over the years. Anyone hear a cuckoo in the northeast? Do you ever hear a cuckoo, Louise, anywhere around here? I've never, ever heard a cuckoo, full stop, unless never. it came out of a clock. <laughs> <laughs> Ever. I was trying to... No, I've never heard a real-life cuckoo. Yeah, and, and and last week we saw him. He flies... He's about the size of a pigeon and he flies in an erratic format. You know, like uh, like that. Up, down, up, down, looping up, down like that. We actually saw the cuckoo. Is he colourful? Mm, he's a bit stripy and mm. grey and that type of colour as well, you know, but... I'd be interested to hear from anybody in the northeast that might have heard a cuckoo. I think before North Loud, maybe, you know, right in the north of the county or out to the west of Meath, the cuckoo may have been heard. Uh, and I'd certainly heard in Cavan. I know that. I've been on Sheelan a number of times and heard the cuckoo. Why Why is he associated with clocks? Like, can they really, can I tell the time in some form? Or, well, you now know? you have stopped. Why is it not a magpie in a clock or a crow? That's a great question. And that's a really brilliant mm-hmm. question. Can anyone help us with that? Anybody out there? Why is there a cuckoo? Cuckoo, cuckoo. Well, I've seen them in the clock. They're brilliant uh, when they come out. Why is it a cuckoo clock? Is it? What's that association? Well, we won't Google it. We won't reser- resort to social media. See if anyone can help us with that one. Why is the cuckoo associated with a clock? Our Louise wants to know. If you know, I can point us in the direction. Don't forget the numbers. Or if you've heard the cuckoo, just let me know. It'll be nearly as good as hearing the cuckoo myself if I get a report from Louth or Mead or the surrounding counties of the cuckoo. 086-1800-658. WhatsApp or text us or call in to 1850 715 958 
I, I, how many times in recent years have I said my blood is boiling? On a few occasions, but it certainly is this morning when I heard news that the thatch in Drogheda was burned yet again. I'm in despair today. I don't know what to say. Michael was talking about, of course, on the show this morning with the politicians and community people. And I'm just scratching my head, to be honest with you. I had to go out this morning and I passed by it and to look at it again. You do know and you know it that by this stage, the thatch pub... It was burned some time ago and it's just been finished, the restoration. Last Friday the work finished and some mindless, moronic person or persons went up there in the last 24 hours and tried to burn it down again. Why? For what reason? What kind of imbeciles have we? And people who have no care for anybody. I just despair. Louise, you know you know well where we're talking about here. Yeah, it's, even if you're not from Drogheda, it's one of those landmark buildings, it isn't is. it? It's fantastic. It's and it's gorgeous. To, like, there are very few and far between now in Cross Ireland thatched buildings. Oh, my, oh, my. So I just wonder what they get out of it. You know, by what, what doing do you, this. What do you think? What, what, what's in people's minds? Who are they? Where are they coming from? Who are rearing these people? You know, this is the bottom line here, I think, with a lot of the ills in society. You can try and point the blame to different things, social media, uh, lack of lack of jobs. And, 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 and these are real situations when you don't have a job, living in poor circumstances. But you know what it boils down to? And I'll say it again. Your family, the people you come from, your home, your parents, the people who rear you and bring you up. That's where society and the ills of society are nurtured and developed and allowed prosper by parents who are not parenting and not taking charge of the situation. If you bring a child into this world and you're responsible for that boy or girl, you are responsible for that child. From it arrives right through its uh, uh, child uh, childhood years into its teenage years and, as I know, well beyond as they grow up. And I love it because I love being a parent. But I've always tried in the best way I can possible, and I am not perfect by any means, to try and show them the way. To intervene when I had to. To guide them and be with them. Not to allow them run amok or do what they want. Or have disrespect for their family, their community or the society. That's where it all begins. It begins in the home. And the breakdown of families and the home is where we have to start looking at. That's where it comes from. And when I see that place this morning, you could actually get really... I get really upset to pass it by. To think of the effort that's gone in and the great work done by people. I know Paul Bell has done an awful lot of work on this as well as one, just to name one, uh, who has, but others as well. Must be in despair today. Seamus Dummigan, the owner of it. You know, the effort that's been put in to have it right... And I'll say with the flower come again, but not even the bloody flower. With everything, with people visiting the towns on a main thoroughfare into Drogheda there. But... But even I'm sure the Thatcher to see his work oh, again just and sure takes hours and hours. Yeah, we're hoping to talk to Peter tomorrow. Peter Childs, he's just not available today, the man who's been working on the thatch there as well. Uh, do you hear what I'm saying, Louise? I, I'm just wondering, I, would I, you I, be behind then the, um, I think it was Willie O'Dea yesterday's suggestion to fine the parents if their kids are caught doing antisocial behaviour? Absolutely. Absolutely. And the parents might step up to the mark? This has to be 
the bull has to be taken by the horns here. You cannot bring children into the world and let them run amok or not show them away or not be parents to them. And I, I agree. If if this is a case where, where and, and this is, goes across society, and there's more serious, it's very serious to tax, but you know when we talk about what's been going on in Drahal in recent times as well, look at the genesis of it, where it begins. There has to be something where parents have to step up to the mark and take responsibility. That is absolutely for sure. Because if that doesn't happen, where are we headed? Society's going to break down as we know it. That's a certainty. But to look at that iconic building today, only finished again from a previous attack, and to see it this morning, oh, Lord, it would just... I'll tell you what the other thing as well is, and besides the perpetrators, I hope they're caught, and I'm, I'm being presumptuous here, would you say there's a link with the previous attack? You'd nearly feel there is, wouldn't you? That, you know, repaired and they said, well, we're going to show you again. We're going to burn this place down. Now, well done to the fire service, the swift action of people in uh, the thatch nearby who got out and tried to do the best they could with fire uh, equipment for meant for indoors. They saved it and it's only a section of it that's gone again. Do you think they should go after it and repair it again? Should it be repaired I'd again? I'd say a lot of, I'd say there'd be a lot of thought now going into the next time because they'd have to do a lot more security they'd have to up the security it's the costs I don't know is there insurance involved mm. CCTV it's cameras needed to point at it as well what you know all this not stuff not just comes let's into do it it's the issues around it oh, isn't it it's just, I'll tell and, you. and just about the parents Jerry, as well you know there are really good parents out there that no matter Great. what they do their kids will stray yes and I accept that I see that Louise as well but there is an element of parenting that don't give a damn they're as bad themselves. And they've shown the example to this current crop. And what example will they show to the next crew as well? Ah, oh, look. And as well, just one more thing before we move on. And we're not going to move on for a second because if somebody wants to tell us about the thatch, um, I have to say this. I'd love to catch the guys. I presume it's fellas that did that. Maybe there's girls involved, I don't know. But generally it's young lads. I'd love to catch them. I really would. And... I can't say on air what I'd love to do to them, but I really would. And let them see what they're doing is absolutely not going to be accepted anymore. Of course, the law has to take its course. I understand that as well. And I'd hope the law would come down like a ton of bricks. But I hope they're caught. I really do. And I hope they're brought to count for what has happened. Anyway, you're probably wondering why I'm so emotive about it, why there's such an outcry about the thatch. And if you've anything to say about it, and what we've been talking about just in the last few minutes, myself and Louise, love to hear from you. Am I off the mark completely, what I'm saying? 086-1800-658 is our WhatsApp or text number, 1850 if you'd like to call in. But why is there an outcry about this building? Well, you see, it's steeped in history. It's a real landmark. And just before coming on air, I caught up with local historian Sean Collins, who told me, after expressing his feelings about what happened, about the history of the thatch. Well, first of all, let me say, Jerry, how sad I am uh, to see the thatch uh, destroyed by, uh, with a fire once again. If there is an iconic uh, piece of vernacular architecture in Drada, it's surely the thatch. It's been a milestone for everybody for many, many years. First referenced uh, on a map in 1890, where it's highlighted as a roadhouse. Um, it was licensed since the foundation of the state when we first had our own Irish administration. Uh, it's been variously owned by uh, the McKeown family, uh, the Matthews family. It was leased 
by the Dummigan family in 1963, if my memory serves me right. Uh, it was a lucky day for Drogheda when Mr. and Mrs. James Dummigan uh, acquired the Tatch and decided to operate a business there. Mrs. Dummigan told me that to celebrate the acquisition of the lease, herself and her husband went into Costello's Public House in Shop Street, which is long gone and it's faded in memory. And she said they had a little drink to celebrate the acquisition of the patch. And they met with two local characters who were in the pub at the time. The two famous local Garda, Little Fishes and Cold Shoulders. Uh, Garda O'Donoghue and Garda Bourne, the legendary men who directed the traffic at Drogheda's Council. Uh, the Dominican family would eventually acquire the pub uh, in the 1990s uh, from the Matches family. And... It has been operated since then by the Dummigans. Um, the f- expansion of the town uh, with the uh, co- with the uh, corporation building schemes that came in the 60s, 70s, 80s and 90s has brought the Tatch into the town where it was once a place out in the country where you went on a Sunday afternoon with your parents for a walk and perhaps uh, people in Drury Gate would go up Platten Road and over by the spy banks at the railway lines in the townland of Rathmullen and end up at the Tatch where the couples would go in and have a drink and little brats like me were given a glass of red lemonade and a bar of chocolate. And myself and uh, Seamus Dummigan would play in the muck outside, I suppose, when we were about seven or eight. Uh, but luckily, the Seamus is still around and the family tradition still goes on. But it's a sad day that they just can't leave something alone, as I said, something as iconic and as liked by the people of Drogheda as the Tatch. Yes, and we do mention Seamus today and think of him because he's absolutely devastated. He's actually not in a fit state. We've been told to talk to anybody. He's so annoyed by what's happened so soon after the repair being carried out. Sean, you mentioned a couple of things there I want to come back to. You mentioned those two famous Garda uh, that were involved when the Dummigans uh, became involved with the Thatch. When you look at what's happened here yet again, my God, law and order, where is it? Oh, it's so sad to think, and, and there are so many memories of that area and good memories for Drogheda. Uh, the horse Drogheda that won the Grand National, and I think it's 1898, was trained on the town land of Knockbrack, which is the land more or less directly behind the Tatch, uh, roughly where the, the, the giant Tesco is now. Uh, that would be the town land of Knockbrack, and imagine we had a horse called Drogheda trained there that would win the Grand National sponsored by the Drogheda Chemical Manure Factory, another old business that's long gone from the town. So there are so many memories up there. Could they not just leave it alone and let it be part of our little town? Uh, it's not a city, it's a town. I hope it remains a town. And, and things like the Tatch are so important to the preservation of that whole notion of a town. And you also say your childhood memories of being there and going there with your family as well. My oh my, it's just... When you think of all the Drogheda families uh, that went there, the the faces that you would meet and the legendary town characters, I have people like Tax Meehan and the Killer Caffrey and all those fun guys, great supporters of the GAA and horse racing. And uh, of course, we should also, must remember, uh, in the uh, 1980s into the 90s, they had great fun. Uh, under the, the tutelage of a man called Seamus O'Brien when they had a horse of their own, which they called Speedy Touch. And it won a couple of good races and proved a great bit of fun for all the people that went up there down through those years and all the walkers from 
cement platen and all the other different factories. And of course, the inimitable uh, mayor of Drada, uh, my good friend Peter Hughes, uh, uh, probably one of the popular, very popular figures that uh, wasn't attached from time to time, I must say. The incident that's happened in the last uh, 24 hours, do you let that beat you, Sean? Do you say no more? No, no, you can never let it beat you. You've got to keep going. The touch must be preserved and remain. And it, You know, uh, they'll keep trying to do you down, but you've got to keep coming back. And I know I know Seamus Dummigan, and this won't keep him down. He'll come back. He always does. I, I'd have every faith in the man and, and his premises. Sean, thank you so much for taking time to give us uh, those uh, historical words, uh, brilliant words again today on uh, the late lunch. On this, a sad day for the Thatch Pub, but I go along with you there. You just can't let, and I won't use the word, get you down. Yeah. Thank you very much, Jerry. Thank you, Sean. Yeah, Sean Collins speaking to me there. Interesting, the uh, long-standing history of the Thatch. Lots of comment coming to us. I disagree, Jerry. It's not the parents' responsibility of what their child does when you're not watching. You can't watch them 24-7. I understand that. But it is the seeds that are sown when they are smaller, the example they are given, the discipline within a home. That's what I'm getting at, that parents really have to uh, be responsible for. And, you know, you'll talk to Gardy who call to homes and they meet parents... And it's unbelievable what they face. That's their, the, that's the element I'm talking about here. Jerry, I was there last night with Seamus Dummigan, says a listener, when it happened. I want to highlight the tremendous goodwill and bravery of the young lads who climbed up with the fire extinguishers onto the roof. And I acknowledge that today. And well done to them. And they're the type of young men we should be just justifiably proud of. And congratulations to them. And I say here, here to that as well. Jerry, your words on vandalism and parenting are so true, says Caroline Burke. If you catch them, I'll give you a hand. Thanks, Caroline. Jerry, we get used to this thuggery. No deterrent. The monkeys are running the zoo. We need a few more like Peter Casey to call a spade a spade. Too much political pussyfooting around these issues. Time to build a prison in some desolate place and lock these idiots up, says Jim in Navin. Um, and the cuckoo, yes, you will hear the cuckoo, says somebody in Sleeve Bear. Noctalan, North Louth, uh, North Monaghan. Sorry, you'll hear the cuckoo in Sleeve Bay. Noctalan, North Monaghan. Every day this time of year. Every year, Jerry. Thank you for that. Love it. And Jerry, Paddy says from Trim, I didn't hear him on Loch Sheelan yesterday. No sign of the cuckoo there yet. Keep your comments on the thatch and the cuckoo and much more besides coming to us on 086 658 by WhatsApp or text, you can call in on 1850-715-958. Thank you so much for all your comments on the cuckoo, the cuckoo clock, the thatch, parenting. They're coming left, right and centre to us and I'm going to get back to them and read as many of them as I can, I promise you, before the end of the show. Just letting you know, Deirdre Moran, Talk to Talents is here. We're continuing our series with her and again, we're back to Wills this time. So if you have any questions, get them to us now. John Tully died suddenly as he lay in bed at his home in County Mead in June 2017. His wife, Sandra, joins me on the line. Good afternoon, Sandra. Hi, Jerry. How are you? I'm very good. Thank you so much for taking my call. My, oh my, such a shock, this sudden passing. He was only in his early 50s. Were there any signs? Nothing at all, Jerry. He had worked uh, till 8 o'clock the evening previous. And it happened to be my birthday. Came home, we had a birthday tea. And we went to bed and um, he woke up the next morning, went into the loo and he was dragging me saying, are you making this a cup of tea? And I said, no, it's my birthday, you make me one. 
And he said, uh, I I make the cup of tea every morning at a quarter to five, which he did every morning before I went out to work. So I turned around and I went up and I made the cup of tea and I came back to find him unconscious. And he never recovered from that. He passed away suddenly. Yeah, he was gone, I'd say, before I, I got to the room. Now, here's the thing. If you had access within reasonable time to a defibrillator, he may have survived. He may have. Or if I hadn't left the room, maybe. I had I had completed my CPR training. Right. I'd right. I done it till the uh, ambulance service came, but uh, there was I, I couldn't find a pulse when I came back to the room. My, oh my. It's such a shock for you and the family. But, right, you I know you're thinking about this yourself now, what you could have done, but the defib is the reason we're talking today on the show. Where do you live? I live in a little quiet place called Shallon in Julianstown. I know it well, yeah. I know where you are there. Are there any defibrillators in the vicinity of Shallon? The nearest one uh, to us is on the Lime Killam Wall um, in Julianstown Village. Right. And um, it's roughly seven kilometres away from the house, which mm. I had to use, I had to go after this instance for an old man across the road. Um, and it took me over seven minutes. You only have four. Yeah. So that's too far away for you. Now, John's passing uh, has prompted you uh, to start thinking about this and the availability of defibrillators. What have you done? Um, I researched into the background of who was making them or was there any old phone boxes available and um, there is a crowd called the Heart of Ireland which I run in a campaign at the minute trying to get the government behind them to use old phone boxes uh, to house these life-saving devices within rural areas in Ireland. Um, And uh, so I researched a company that was making them and I uh, got in touch with a guy in Limerick, Thomas Hassett, Hassett who makes them from concrete. And uh, he, I organised for him to make me one. <laughs> uh, then I got in touch with a guy from SeaTech uh, Medical and I bought a defibrillator off him. And where is that now? Right outside my door, uh, on the main road for anybody to use. And if somebody needs it in a hurry, how do they get into the box? What's the? Is it easy to, to access? Uh, initially, when we got the box, there was a four-digit code on the outside. I never really liked that idea because I thought that's using a bit of time that you don't have. Mm. So um, I have just a little a little clasp that you see on the side of the stable or on anything, just literally a little lock that goes across and it opens and you're straight in. So there's no lock on it, there's no code. If somebody needs it, it's there. And you've publicised this in the community now. People in your area know it's there. Yes, yes. I'm just thinking, vandalism. We've been talking about it earlier on the show, shocking case in Drogheda again. Does that concern you, that you might have another band of idiots that might think this is fun to go in and take a defib? It did concern me initially, and um, I did ring up about getting it insured and all the rest of it. Uh, putting a CTC camera or TCC camera on, um, which I am doing in the coming days. Um, but in saying that, I think anybody that does, does tamper with life-saving devices like this 
deserve the sentence. Oh, I mean a life sentence because it's yeah. a life you're dealing with and you should get a life sentence. Now we're talking, now we're talking real, really coming down with proper uh, law enforcement on these people. Now you want, you would like to see this initiative you've begun rolled out. Rolled out, Joe. I can't see why that the government can't get behind them. As I said, uh, we've done a truck run and we raised some funds in honour of my husband. And we decided to use them funds to he- buy the phone box and buy the defibrillator. Um, and uh, we're doing a similar truck run this year and hope to raise funds for another one. And for Brian Brew, a little guy in Drada who has uh, some difficulties uh, health-wise. Yeah. and needs to be on a list and that's what we're hoping to do this year. So would you like to, to see these cited? You know the old telephone kiosks that were all over the country, now they're yeah. not used at all, they're gone. Is that the type of map you're looking at to, to do this yes. nationwide? Yeah, yeah? Yes, definitely. Um, there's a guy called Damien Baker from the heart of Ireland. He started the project in Killarney and they're in Killarney, Washford, and their housing, they're being used in old phone boxes, being reused. Okay. Already. Okay, so they're actually... But he hopes to run that across the country. Yeah, so in other words, if there are boxes remaining, put the defibrillators into them and use the structures that are there for real good now, for life-saving good. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I love it, and I really do like what you've done, and I admire you so much. And after hearing the negative side of life uh, at the uh, start of the show today and that aspect of it, here you are, a brilliant, brilliant woman with fantastic people around you who are only doing good for their communities and looking ahead to saving lives. It just shows you there's more good in this world, I can tell you, than the other side of things. I wish you well with this. We'll keep in touch and great stuff. And we remember John today. Thank you, Jerry. Thank you, Sandra. Thank you for joining Thanks me. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye bye. That's Sandra Tully there from County Meath. It's a great idea, isn't it? It really is. News and weather on the way afterwards. Where there's a will, there's a way. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors. Opening launch sales offers are now available from Blackstone Motors, and we are giving away a 191 Renault Clio. Get down to Blackstone Motors showrooms in Dundalk or Drogheda now to enter. We simply had to come back to this after the reaction we got the last day. And I've seen this over the years. It's always been the same. Wills, making a will, the importance of it. And I'm delighted to tell you one of our regular contributors is back with us. Solicitor Deirdre Moran from Talents is here as we talk to Talents for the next while. Deirdre, thank you very much for joining me again. Good to see you. Well, what we're going to do today, we got so many questions the last day. Deirdre said to me, let's answer these questions, Jerry, today for the listeners and let's see where we go with this this time round. So we're going to do that. So if you messaged us last time, we have your questions here now. If you have a question about a will at the moment, send it to us. Oh, Eight six eighteen hundred six five eight by text or WhatsApp, or you can call in on eighteen fifty seven one five nine five eight. And don't forget our social media; you can put the question in there as well. So let's begin, Deirdre. With and these are questions that came to us since you were with us last. Here's the first one: If you were adopted and made contact with your birth mother, would you be entitled to anything? That's a very interesting question because a lot of uh, people are finding their birth parents now, um, and technically you can't uh, inherit anything because you are no longer their legal child. When you're adopted, uh, 
Section 3.2 of the Status of Children's Act 1987 uh, states that from the date of the adoption order, uh, the child becomes the child of the adopter and nobody else. So you cannot challenge your birth mother's will if she doesn't leave anything to you. Now, that doesn't stop her leaving something to you. But if she does, the other thing that you have to be aware of is you are essentially legally a stranger to her for tax purposes. So you don't benefit from the high threshold that a child has from a parent. There's a sting in the tail, isn't there, for sure, when you mention that. Okay, perfect. Let's move on. Can prize bonds be transferred after the owner has died? Yes, they can be. Like any asset, uh, they can be transferred either into the name of the executor or to the beneficiary uh, that uh, the will specifies they should go to. And quite a lot of people have prize bonds. And when they come to us, um, we generally ask them because it's something people forget about. They put them in a drawer in the room and uh, think no more about them. But they, they are an asset, and can uh, be transferred. Uh, another listener on to us to say, what about inheriting debt? Now, here's something I always think of that when you inherit, it's assets that you inherit, not debts. But this is interesting. Can your children inherit a bank loan? Yes. And the recital in the will it says that uh, all just debts and testamentary expenses must be paid first before the beneficiary gets the asset or the property that has been left to them in the will. And we all have various different debts. Uh, in It could be a credit card debt, it could be a, a car loan. And obviously, the biggest debt that most people have is their mortgage. Now, generally speaking, uh, mortgages are protected by mortgage protection policies, life policies that will pay off the mortgage in the event of somebody's death. And they generally uh, diminish as the mortgage goes down. But there are circumstances where somebody has a second property. And with second properties in Ireland, it's very rare that there's mortgage protection policies on those mortgages. Mm. So if the person dies and the mortgage hasn't been paid off, it still attaches to the property. And uh, there isn't a life policy to pay it off. But with a property, you'd hope that there's enough equity in it that if it was sold, that mortgage would go. There are in some circumstances estates that are completely insolvent. And literally what that means is the debts outstrip the assets. And in those circumstances, and I, I, I had a case like that, you can choose not to take out a grant of probate to the estate. Now, where does that leave the creditors who are owed the money? There is what's called a creditor's grant that can be taken out. So in a circumstance, particularly I would think with a mortgage company, uh, they would consider taking out a grant so that they could uh, look to recoup monies from any property. From And from, uh, could they actually go after the children or the, you know, the beneficiaries of the estate if there is monies owed? Could they chase them? 
They could if they took the grant out, but they have a two-year period in which to... Well, it's the estate that they sue, Jerry. Yes, not, not, not people. Not the beneficiaries. Yeah, okay. It's the estate. And if the estate is, is insolvent... Insolvent, where can they go? Yes. They can't go anywhere. Just as, as an aside... The credit union movement, if you have a loan, does that die with you? It was a thing in the past, I think, that that went with you. No, credit union loans don't unless, there. again, there's a policy in place. And I think some credit unions do encourage people to have policies okay. to wipe the, the loan in the event of their death. OK, that, just an aside came to my mind there. Next question for you, Deirdre, from Late Lunch listeners, all these I have to tell you. How do I find out if my son was left anything by his father in his will? We've separated and have no contact. He always said he'd leave him something. We touched on this the last time. Mm. People are very anxious to know what is in a will or whether they're a beneficiary. But while the person is alive, the will is a private document. So you can't find out whether you're a beneficiary unless it's with the consent of the person who made the will. They can tell you. It's their choice to tell you. But until they die... And until the will is taken to probate and becomes a public document, you cannot find out if you're a beneficiary in a will. You know when somebody dies, who's the onus on to go after the will and have it read? Is it the, is it the onus on the solicitor when the death is reported? i say the death is not reported to a solicitor. Well, generally it is. You get the report. We get a phone call to say. from a family member okay. to say that... Uh, their husband or their father or their mother, whoever it might be, has died. And they believe that we might have their will because they might have said, well, we went to Talons to Mm. make our will or that they always dealt with Talons. Yes. So the assumption is that when they did other work with us, they may have made their will Mm. because we do encourage people when they're selling and buying houses that when the deal is finalised, they come back to us and they make a will. Yes. So if somebody also does their judicial separation or divorce with us, we encourage them to come back when it's finalised to make a will. So on that basis, people would assume if someone has done business with us, mm. that we may hold their okay, will. Okay, and then when you're contacted, the process kicks into yes. action then and the will is taken and yes. read then or whatever. Is it read? Does that reading happen? Yes, it yes. does. Yes, we, uh, we bring in the executor and uh, it's generally the executor and family members who are uh, named in the will and we'll do a formal reading of it. Mm. So that does happen. I have a friend, next question, Deirdre, who made a will. His solicitor never asked him about his assets. Also, he got one of the staff to witness the will. Is that okay? Well, to take each Each, question... I wouldn't comment on what any other solicitor does or doesn't do, but I can tell you how we approach uh, making wills with clients. We go through what we call an asset check. So I will take the client through everything. And that's very often where we find out about the prize bonds because they usually forget about those. But you'll say to them, you know, we're going to talk to you now about your assets. Your major asset is generally your house. So we'll ask them about their house, whether they have a mortgage, who the mortgage is with so that we know who to contact. We ask them about bank accounts. Uh, Who do they have them with? 
so if they say it's AIB, I, I ask, is it AIB in Drogheda? It could be that they'd lived in Dublin prior to living in Drogheda, so the accounts could be in Dublin. You ask them, is it in joint names or uh, is it in a single name? The significance of the joint name is that a joint account won't fall into your will, so yes. to speak. They, it goes by right of survivorship. Mm. So that's significant. And you need to know these things. So then you ask them, do they have a credit union account? Do they have stocks and shares? Do they have a post office account, prize bonds? But you're comprehensive. I'm listening to you there. You do everything. The kitchen sink is in there. But I'm going to ask you this just on that question. Can somebody make a will without listing their assets? And then afterwards, it's the job of you or others to piece the picture together. Oh, yes. And that's a problem. That can be a problem because you end up writing to a number of financial institutions yes. saying, did this person have a bank account with you? Mm. And that takes a lot of time. Yes. It also increases the costs. So the, the message is, list out, if you're making a will to anyone listening today, list all your accounts, list all your assets. It's make, going to make it simpler in the long term. The second part of that question. But just uh, before we leave on, yeah. that, I always say to clients as well that they should have their own asset list at home. Have a a little folder and it sets out all the assets that you have, hmm. who they are with, where they are, and say to whoever is your executor, look, I've done this. Yeah. So it's in the drawer, in the kitchen, on the left. If anything <laughs> happens to me, that's what you take to the solicitor and that will make your life much easier. Okay. The witnessing of the will, just a second part quickly, one of the staff witnessing when the will that's was made? Perfectly acceptable. That's okay. Yes, that's regularly done in all solicitors' office. And in fact, it probably makes more sense because if there's any issues uh, with the probate office in relation to how the will was witnessed, yeah. uh, sometimes people's signature is a little bit illegible, mm. they will ask for an affidavit from the witnesses to say that they were there, they saw the person execute the will and they were who they were and that is their correct uh, signature. So if you've got a legal secretary as a witness, that's she's going to be, she or he is going to be working in a legal firm somewhere and will be easy to trace even yeah. if they've left your firm. Whereas if it's a friend or a stranger, you could be have, have difficulties finding them. Mm. Yeah, and it actually makes more sense. Just deviating for a moment, a quick, a quick one from one that's just come in to us. And they're coming in. Keep them coming to us. 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text. Can I leave my son out of my will as I have no contact with him? That's jumping ahead to one of the other questions yes. that, that we had. Yes or no? Yes. You can? Yes. We'll come, at, we'll come back to that. I just wanted to get that person that answer quickly. How much does it cost to make a will, Deirdre? It varies from solicitor's firm to solicitor's firm. So I think you, you, you ring your solicitor and ask them that question. OK. Um, next question. No, I'm going to take the break. I'm going back to the next question in a moment. Keep them coming. Deirdre is here as Deirdre Moran. We're talking to Talents about wills again this afternoon on Late Lunch. Deirdre Moran's solicitor with Talents is with me on Late Lunch. Deirdre, I'll tell you one thing. We'll have, we will be coming back to this again, given the interest in the subject. We're talking wills once more uh, with Deirdre Moran today. You've addressed this next question to a degree. Uh, what do I need to bring with me when I go to a solicitor to make a will? 
Yes, we have. We've talked about that just before the break. But to reiterate, because it is very important from the point of view of estate planning, if you can make a list of your assets ahead of time, uh, when you've made your appointment to see the solicitor, prepare it and have it ready for them when you come down to see them. It makes everyone's life easier if that's been done. And we can then keep your asset list with the instructions that are kept with your will in the strong room. Okay, very important. And as Deirdre says, life easier for everybody. Now here's, do you want to say something else on that? Yes, I just wanted to also say that obviously that asset list will change because of course, hopefully you're going to live a long life and you might sell something or you might get uh, another asset or you might win the lotto. should you update your solicitor? Uh, well, I think you need to update your asset list that you keep at home for your executor. Mm. That's important. Yes. Okay. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Now, next one. My husband works on a small farm uh, before and after his dad died. So this man worked on the farm before his father passed away and he continued to work on the farm. The dad left no will. There are two other siblings involved here. All has to be sold, even though my husband gave his life for this unpaid work. Can he claim anything? Well, that's a very difficult question to deal with in the context of being on air Mm. on the radio. I don't think it would be appropriate. That's something that's going to need a lot of thought and time. I think they should go to see a solicitor immediately uh, because uh, they can then give full facts and full instructions and advice can be given to them then. Would you have a gut feeling even on that? Is there a claim there, potentially, when you think of all the time he gave before and after? possibly could be, but Jerry, you would have to know all the circumstances of the case. Okay. You couldn't really comment on it without it. So what you're saying there is you do need to make an appointment and go and engage with a solicitor, if you have one, or, or get a solicitor and go and talk to them in detail about this, because that is a tricky one, you're saying. Yes. Yeah, okay. As an only child and single, my parents are deceased. My next of kin is my first cousin. 
uh, have the will I have the will made out to that person. The value of the property is approximately two hundred thousand. What would the inheritance cost be? Well, first of all, you should go to a qualified accountant or tax expert to take tax advice in relation to inheritance tax. You can check all the thresholds. Uh, for various diff- different beneficiaries on revenue.ie. A cousin is one of the lowest thresholds. I think it's 16,250. Before tax. Before tax. And then the tax rate at the moment is at 33%. So. Oh my, that's a big balance. You'll get 16,250 tax free. Yes. And then the balance of the 200 could be at 33%. My 184,000 approximately at 33%. Now, what a lot of people don't know is there are life policies that you can take out. They're called Section 72 life policies with insurance companies. And they are specifically set up to pay the tax on your beneficiary's inheritance. So, again, that's something that you need to discuss with a financial advisor or a broker as to how much these policies cost and whether uh, you can get such a policy. Mm. Obviously, the younger you are, the more likelihood is that you will get one of these policies. You may not if you have health issues or you're older, but again, that's something that you need to talk to a financial advisor about. But it is good estate planning. All right. Uh, I have adult children in their 20s. If myself and my husband died, will they be entitled to some of the assets and property? If you have children and you have made a will, you can specify which assets and which properties each individual child will get. So maybe in certain circumstances, you might have a the family home and you might have an investment property. And you might say one child gets the investment property and the other gets the family home. Or you might have a a, a farm and a family home and you might say one person gets the farm because they've worked on it and they have an interest in farming and the other person will get the family home. If you don't make a will, well, then it goes on intestacy. And if you're both dead, husband and wife, then it's divided equally between all your children. Right. Okay. So important again to specify there and what way you want it to happen. Absolutely. Because to use that example of the farm and the house, it would be very unfair to the person who had spent many years working on the farm and maybe going to agricultural college, uh, showing a real interest in being the farmer after the parent's time has passed and then ends up owning it along with two other siblings who have no interest in the farm Mm. and may end up having to sell the farm to satisfy their legacies. Okay, on to the next one. Can I write someone out of my will? Yes, and we mentioned this briefly before the break. Yes, you can. You are not obliged to leave any legacy to anyone except a spouse. That is the only legal requirement. However, if it is a child that you are writing out of the will, and I think this was the question before the break, 
you have to be aware of the fact that they can challenge your will under Section 117 of the Succession Act. And these are common cases that go to the circuit court. It will cost about 15000 on either side. The executors will pay legal costs. The beneficiary will have legal costs. And in the end, if the beneficiary is successful, the costs come out of the pot, out of the estate, mm. leaving, you know, a, a big dent in it yes. because of um, these legal costs. And generally speaking, the courts look to see, can they give something to a child? There would have to be very good reasons why the child was left out of the will. Now, there can be a myriad of reasons, uh, but you should clearly give those reasons when you're giving your instructions to your solicitor. I've been in cases where this has happened Uh, The solicitor has to take really good notes and go into a lot of detail as to why these particular children are being left out. Because in the end, it'll be the solicitor that will be giving evidence to the court Mm. because the solicitor then becomes the voice of the person explaining to the court what their mindset was, why they came to this decision. And that's the only way the judge is going to know whether it was a good decision or not. Now, there have been cases where uh, children have had mental health issues uh, where it wouldn't have been appropriate to leave them cash assets. It's reasonings like that or they had um, drink or drug problems. There's a lot of reasons why parents will choose not to leave something to a child it has to be clear as to why they're doing it. I think we have time just for one more, and it's this. Tommy has been in touch with us. He says, I'm a house owner. I pay my taxes. I can leave my house to whoever I want. Yes, he can. And it's the, it's the same answer as it was to the previous question. You can leave your property to whoever you want. You can leave it entirely to charitable organisations. You can leave it in trust for your pet Labrador. But the reality is somebody may be upset by that and may challenge your will. The challenge could happen, Tommy. We have to tell you that. Have to leave it there for today. I have loads of more questions. Will you come back and answer the rest of these that we have here and more besides? She will. She'll be back with us shortly and we'll answer all your questions, I promise you. But remember, you can talk to Talons at any stage and it's been great talking to Solicitor Deirdre Moore today. Thank you, Deirdre. Thank you. Well, you know, on this show, when you're involved with fantastic people year in, year out, it really does bring it home to you that the old wheel of life keeps on turning. And here we are heading towards mid-May and looking ahead already to September and one of the events I absolutely adore to be involved with and support. Yes, dip in the nip. And you probably say, we know why, Kelly, you love it. No, seriously, I love it as one of the most brilliant charities you could ever become involved with. Yes, dip in the nip is happening again this year and we're launching it today here on Late Launch. And I'm delighted to welcome to the show the lady who's been there from the start. It's coordinator Karen Healy is here with me. Liz Summersby is here. She's from the oncology unit where she's an advanced nurse practitioner and she is the veteran of veteran dippers you've heard her sing on tv3 yes she's got talent indeed she has susan stanley is here she's an ambassador 
for the dip this year, you're all very welcome to the show. Thank you for joining me. I'm great to have you with us. If I could start with yourself first, Karen. Uh, refresh us. How many years are we on the go now with the dip? Uh, we are now going into our eighth year now in September. Isn't that just marvellous to think that all those dips have happened in the intervening years. Last year, terrific again. What were we talking about? Just under 200 dippers? Just under 200 dippers and a a sea of buses just kept coming up the road more and more and more. It was great to watch them coming down onto the beach. And here's the thing. This is the big thing, folks. Listen to this. Tell them. The money. How much did it raise last year? Just under 60,000. Wow. Like, it's just brilliant money. Isn't that just outstanding? Standing. Yeah. Like Liz is here beside me. It's the oncology, as you know, the benefits from all of it. So, like, yeah. they just can't believe every year how much it keeps increasing and increasing. Mm, it's a wonderful, wonderful story. What does it mean, Liz Summers, be to oncology and all you do there? It means, um, I suppose, the difference between we're, we're trying to, I suppose, translate um, research into clinical practice. And what does that mean? It means buying the latest um, equipment so that, like, you know, the gene sequencing machine, you know, I suppose it's gone up in price. But what we're looking at now is like very much targeting um chemotherapies to the individual patient rather than kind of a blanket kind of everybody got the same treatment years ago and then we buy a lot of comfort things you know we've just had the unit downstairs repainted so Necrit funded that we're also buying in the middle of up doing the patient education room and also other bits and pieces that actually add to the ambience within the department but it means everything to us and we are so grateful to everyone who supports it year in year out I can only think if you hadn't that level of cash how difficult it would be for you and you people make such a difference in so many people's lives of all ages from all over the place. Absolutely. And it's it's about the personal touch, isn't it? It's about knowing people's names. It's about just, um, I suppose, just being able to engage with patients. And I suppose I'm very lucky in my role and also, you know, on behalf of the nursing team and the whole team in Drogheda. Like, it's a small unit, but it's very close. It's very tight. And it's about delivering, like, you know, patient-focused um, care, you know, making the difference between kind of what can be an incredibly difficult journey for patients into something that's, you know, manageable. It's not easy, but we do try to be there to, uh, you know, lend a shoulder you know just to help people across the line and get it done or whatever and just sometimes it's even just a smile just to say hello you know just to people and acknowledge that what they're doing is quite difficult when they're going through difficult times with chemotherapy and sometimes you know um, it's just an ear to you know for them to listen and facilitate that uh, difficult time so well said and well put and just summing up what you do there it does what it says on Liz's tin that's for sure let's bring into the conversation the 2019 ambassador for Dip in the Nip I think this is the first time you've had an ambassador absolutely isn't it? but who could pass Susan when you know all the things <laughs> she's after doing with the talent that she has she's fresh from Ireland's Got Talent do you remember the Sea of Change Choir? you were my favourites oh, you were my favourites I wish I was there I would have given you every vote under the sea on. Anyway, you. you're with this crew since day one. How do you remember how you became involved or why? I had just had my first baby. I work in the hospital um, on the paediatric unit. So I meet lots of children who have oncology or, you know, various cancers. Yes. And I think I had felt I wanted to do something primarily for me after having a baby and sort of to celebrate my body and that it had had a baby and that, you know, to to celebrate that. And then also to help out with the local oncology unit, which does an amazing work. And that's how I started. I very quietly snuck in, told nobody about it. 
came by myself. I don't think I spoke to anybody that very first day. I quietly snuck in, got on. I think there was maybe one bus that Correct. year, possibly we one bus. We had 42 people. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, I did the dip and came out of the water and just thought, wow, it was so empowering. It was so amazing. You're bombarded daily with perfect bodies in the media. And this was about celebrating your body. It may not be magazine perfect, but it gets up in the morning. It gets you through your day. It does all the things that you need it to do. And I loved that. I loved that freedom, that empowerment. And since that day, I've done all of them. And it's it's brought me to amazing places like Ireland's Got Talent. <laughs> <laughs> and here, come here a minute. Tell them this you're talking about. Whose body is perfect? Anyway, you're dead right, Susan Stanley. Did you dip when you were pregnant? I dipped when I was heavily pregnant, yes. I was about 33, 34 weeks pregnant. Even more, actually. Cause do we have a lovely picture of you yeah. pregnant? You have, have, yes, yeah, you do have, have a, a, nice picture. a picture of me yeah, pregnant with, um, I drew a face That's on my right, belly. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I was probably more. I was probably 35, 36 weeks pregnant when I dipped. And you had the baby subsequently, boy or girl? I had a girl. I have two girls. Okay, and what's her name, the dip baby? Martha. You can, in years to come, there is a story for all these milestones in yes. life with that young lady. Do you realise you yes. dipped? They have they have seen the photograph. Have they? And yes. they know that the law states if your mummy is a dipper, then you have to be a dipper when you turn 18. <laughs> I love it, I love it. That's the law. But look, for today, you are a veteran of this, a young veteran, let me say, of Dip in the Nip. What do you say to women listening today Come on, here's the call to action to join you in year number nine on the 8th of September on a beach somewhere in the northeast. What do you say to them? Why should they do it? What's in it? What do you get from it? Two things. First off, you're supporting an amazing charity and a local charity. Our local oncology unit means that patients do not have to travel to Dublin for chemotherapy. It means they can have their treatment that they require local, with local nurses looking after them. And as Liz said, that familiarity, that friendly touch, that smile, that hello means so much to people. On a personal level, I think doing the dip really should be mandatory for <laughs> all women because the sense of freedom it gives you but also I feel I walk taller after I do the dip. I've introduced a number of friends to it and they came onto the beach huddled in their towels you know thinking oh, I don't know if I can do this this is really frightening this is really scary and they came out of the beach like new women out of the sea that sense of liberation that sense of empowerment the atmosphere the banter the crack the friendly people you meet. We meet the same people year in, mm -hmm. year out. Well, new ones all the time. New growing. ones <laughs> new ones all the time, but there's still those those yeah, faces. And, and we just celebrate life and celebrate womanhood and celebrate being. And we have girls who've had treatment. Last year, my best friend did the dip four days after she had had her ovaries removed. Oh, wow. And several months after having a double mastectomy. And for her getting into the water, she had been diagnosed between both dips and between doing the dip perfectly healthy, had had her treatment and had no hair and, as I say, double mastectomy and came back and did the dip a year later. And for her, that was a huge milestone in her recovery yeah. mm -hmm. to be able to strip off her clothes again with a completely changed body. 
but still a body that worked and a body that was worth celebrating. And I think that's why, why women should do it. No better pitch have I heard in my time <laughs> in the eight years doing this than the one just delivered. So girls, ladies, women, if you're listening today, we're looking for dippers. If you've dipped before and maybe drifted a little, come dip again this year. If you're a regular, come back. You're more than welcome. New dippers. Now, come on. We're looking for new dippers, Karen. That's the thing, isn't that it? That is year? the thing. We are looking for new dippers. And they're out there, as Susan said. They are out there. They talk about it. You meet, you meet loads of people after the dip and they say, oh, I was going to do it and then I didn't. So we have Susan now as our ambassador. She is going to push them and push them hard. And she'll be there for questions and answers because she's been in and she's been out. And uh, I know she'll do us, she'll do us very proud and people Thank won't you. be afraid to ask her anything. So how do people... Join the dip. Tell me, how, how do they get in touch and say, well, we, I'm going to do it? Yeah, we have the Facebook page. They can do a course on the, on the oncology unit ask, but we have our Facebook page, our dip page, and they just sign up there and everything else will be looked after for them. So that. Facebook, it's Dip in the Nip, Drahada, or what is it? No, it's just Northeast Dip in the Nip. Northeast, I beg your pardon. Northeast Dip in the Nip, because I'll tell you, I'm there every year in the hotel with the girls as well with me blindfold on on the beach. <laughs> <laughs> Maria, and uh, I'll tell you this. You know, the people, they come from everywhere. Loud, Mead, all over both counties, such support. And the neighbouring counties, Dublin, Kildare, Monaghan, Cavan, they come from everywhere to do this. It, it is a fantastic occasion and one not to be missed. So, North East... Dip in the Nip. Dip in the Nip, and Facebook. We, and we did have quite a few from Belfast last year as well. Yeah. But can I say, Jerry, I know you're going to push me up really fast, but before he does that, sometimes the biggest part for the, the biggest part for us is the fundraising. And so yeah. people, people don't like asking people for money, naturally, because everybody's looking for stuff. Yeah. So I'll say early enough and in advance, if you organise a coffee morning at home and charge people a couple of bob, if yes. you do a bake sale, charge them a couple of bob, yeah. a book sale, a book swap. Yeah. So you're doing something to give back to get the money instead of just going up with your card and saying, will you sponsor me five euros? Yeah. That is yes. a great idea. Yeah. Idea. So you can organise your your dip fundraisers between now and the dip itself on the 8th of September. It is the 8th, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, Sunday yeah, yeah. the 8th, early morning a.m. the dip happens and the crack that day before, <laughs> during and after is just electric, I can tell you. Call into the oncology unit as well. If you're in the hospital, just give you a shout. You can organise matters there. But come on, girls, let's get dipping this year again in bigger numbers than ever and support these people in the wonderful unit we have here in the North East that means so much to all of us. Will you sing a song before you go for me? No, I'm afraid not. <laughs> I'm, missing, I'm missing my 46 sisters. <laughs> Bet you weren't thinking you were going to be putting the spot no. I'm only codding, I'm only codding. <laughs> ambassador, I'm only in codding. Uh, ambassador Susan Stanley. Anyway, good luck to all. A pleasure again to be involved here in pleasure. LMFM Radio with the dip in the nip northeast this year. It's launched. It's on today. See you on the beach on the 8th of September. We'll be talking about it before then, I assure you. But until then, coordinator Karen Healy, ANP. Is that your title That's to it, abbreviate yeah. your nursing title? Liz Summersby from the Oncology Unit and Ambassador Susan Stanley. Thank you for joining me on Thank the show. You. Thank you very Thank much. Thank you. Oh my God, do I love that sound. I just adore it. When I hear it, it just up lifts me personally and I, I'm sure many people it does as well. Listen to this. Jerry. the cuckoo uh, was heard two weeks ago in Wilkinstown. That comes in from a listener in County Mead today. Thank you so much. It was calling, says Peter Rooney. Thank you, Peter. In the Cooley Mountains recently, Jerry. Great to hear it, Peter. That's not loud there. Uh, listen to this. The cuckoo was calling two or three times in Balscadden, outside Balbriggan. 
Now, really, that's an interesting one. And Pat from Balscadden sends me this little ditty. The cuckoo comes in April, she sings her song in May. June, she changes her tune. And in July, she flies away. Ah, lovely. I really love that. Louise, the cuckoo clock. Come on, you have an update for me. Do you remember you asked me the question, why is the cuckoo in the clock? Yes, we have had some, so hopefully we got it. We uh, One man just uh, WhatsApped in and says, it's all about the notes they use, so I'm presuming it's just sounds sweeter than a yes, crow. The, oh, well, Louise was saying, why isn't it? What did you say it was? Ka. <laughs> Imagine that in your clock. I think that'd be the end It'd of it. It'd be flying out the window. Well, Time would really fly. Somebody was on saying about, what else were they saying? That oh, Somebody, and we just cl- got it clarified. Yeah. Um, they they always buy it and all her, all she said all her sisters in that buy it because as they get older and lose their sight they know what time it is when the cuckoo comes ah. out so they know to count and it's a lovely sound yeah. as well and somebody else just said now she doesn't know but she thinks um because it, it's a wood pigeon and the wooden clocks and the cuckoo is often the earliest bird you'll hear in the morning really but i'm not too sure how that works yeah but yeah. Somebody else uh, WhatsApped in, thanks to all the WhatsAppers out there, and it said that the first real cuckoo sound is said to have been invented by Franz Ketterer in 1730. As this sound was easier to manufacture than whistles or rooster crows, the idea spread. I see. Isn't that interesting? There are a mine of information out there in late lunch land, aren't they? They know blinking well everything. The thatch, back to the thatch. I remember the thatch in the 70s when the men were building Ballsgrove and the lads on Friday evening would go into the thatch after work. With regards to the people who do things like this, Jerry, uh, they should be dealt with as parents should teach their children that their town has good character and should be valued and well-minded. The thatch in places like it is a dying breed and it should be respected and taken care of. Another listener, Jerry, you're so right. Parents, please 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 teach your children respect and values it's so important in life today there's lots of comment as well uh, about the the thatch uh, coming to us I, I agree with you Jerry uh, on the parents issue parents need to be uh, held to account only last week we see a a photograph in the local newspaper of a young chap lighting a fire in the park in Drogheda. A lot of people know who that youngster is and his parents should be uh, fined for his behaviour. Parents should keep their children busy and off the streets and teach them right from wrong. And a bit of fate wouldn't go amiss either, Jerry. Thank you so much for that one. And so on and so on they go. Sad news just breaking you've alerted me to. Yes, Doris Day has died, age 97. I'm sure oh. many people would remember her for all her musicals and films. What a movie star that woman was. Mm-hmm. That woman was ginormous in her day. 97, just three years short of the century. I loved that? her in Calamity Jane. Oh, she was absolutely brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. In a range of movies, but Calamity Jane was your favourite, was it? Definitely. I used to love It was mine too. Really? Ah, what a movie. Windy City, I love that that song. Yeah, all the songs that were in that movie are nearly classics. Well, God Almighty, there's another one of the greats have have passed on. She had a long, long life, but uh, there you go, she's gone. Have you the song? I have. Well, this is the song that I remember. Can I tell you why? My late aunt, my Aunt Anna, Anna Riley sang this song to me when I was a little boy and I want to remember her today and Doris.
When I was just a little girl I asked my mother What will I be? Will I be pretty? Will I be rich? Here's what she said to me Que sera, sera Whatever will be, will be The future's not ours to see Que sera What will be, will be When I grew up and fell in love I asked my sweetheart what lies ahead Will we have rainbows day after day Here's what my sweetheart said Que sera, sera Thank you indeed for all your comments and the questions on the will matter. We've dealt with wills in our legal regular slot with Deirdre Morn from Talent Solicitors talking to Talent and we're going to come back to it again. We've got lots of questions again today from you. I have printed them out. I'm going to keep them here and Deirdre will be back to answer those. So don't despair. We're not forgetting about you. We're going to answer those questions when she's back with us, which will be soon. John's been on to say he's in RD this afternoon. He's watching the uh, game last night in RT1. The first part was on hurling the second part football and after every game the presenters commented on each and every game except the loud Wexford match oh no they just showed one and a half minutes with loud playing Wexford it's very sad that RT and the GAA did our play- what they did to our players and they just brushed it aside it's disgraceful John's not happy well, I hope you were listening here on LMFM Radio yesterday because you didn't miss a minute and you got in-depth analysis as well. But I hear what you're saying, John. Uh, what's going on, says Dinah? Is there a firebug about all the time? If it's not Drogheda, it's Dundalk or RD. Is this the same people? What's happening? There should be a reward to catch them and something really has to be done. And on the thatch again, it's an absolute disgrace that the thatch was burned once more. What kind of hooligans and savages are being dragged up now? What is wrong nowadays? If they can't be touched by anyone, they're not in fear of the law, they don't have any regard for the courts. If there's not good discipline and fear as a child and learning how to have respect, I despair. I know what I would like to have done to them thrown into a hard labour camp and a few kicks in the backside and parents held responsible, Jerry. You're absolutely right. Thanks indeed for all your comments on a range of issues to late lunch this afternoon. Now, you do know, this day last week on this show, we launched the wonderful Blackstone Motors car draw. Yes, a Renault Clio, almost €20,000. It's worth, could be yours. 
what did you have to do? Well, they've done it in the hundreds. They've been into Blackstone Motors and they've just filled out the entry and popped it in the box. And all the entries are here with me. Noel and Donal are here as well and we'll have a couple of special guests in a moment. And you can enter this competition because today we're picking two finalists, two next Monday and two the following Monday and then the gala live show from Blackstone, the new beautiful premises in Dundalk happening on the 30th of May. Stay with us. If your name's in the hat, you could be one step closer to winning that Renault Clio. Yes, Tina Turner and Simply the Best. I'm just after saying to them, it's a good job they're faster when they're wearing the black and white from the dog out in the pitch. They've literally just stepped in the door. I'm giving the game away. Yes, we're going to do the draw now, the first draw in the Blackstone Motors uh, car giveaway. We launched it here in late lunch a week ago and I'm joined again by the principals of Blackstone, Noel Stewart and Donald Waters. They're not out of breath, they're fit boys, I'll say that anyway. Robbie Benson and Sean Gannon are with us, two stars, two of the stars of that great Dundalk side. Boys, you're very welcome to the show, thank you for joining me. Anyway, first, Noel Stewart, the past week you've had lots of people into Blackstone. Yeah, in fairness, Jerry, uh, the uptake now on the offer, on the the, uh, the draw has been phenomenal now, so um, probably more, more entries coming through Dundalk. So, um, but you still can if anyone's listening and you want to enter through Drahada, you can do so. Just walk into the showrooms and application forms are on the are on each of the counters for re- reception there, and you can just fill it and put it into the into the box. But um, yeah, a uh, lot of uptake, a lot of customers walking in uh, into Dundalk at the moment. Um, we're trying to get as many pictures and put up on Facebook. So if anybody has an interest in seeing who's walking in, who's applying for the for the draw, <laughs> check out Facebook. And here's the thing to say as well: it's free. You do not yeah. have to do anything, Donald, to win True. this car. Just fill Listen, in this little form. If you have got a test drive, no. just, just come into the dealership. There's a card. There's a box there. Just fill in your application form. Uh, the whole thing about the competition is to let people know where we are in Dundalk. We're in the Inner Relief Road. Uh, ju- as Noel said last week, uh, opposite KFC. Uh, you, you know, just uh, uh, just down. Uh, uh, it is d- a landmark. It is. I don't think those boys ever either, but no, I'll no. find out in a minute. Okay, and the manager's okay. listening as well today. Oh, okay, okay. okay. Uh, I know I'm sure they're on strict diets, you know. Yeah. Uh, but uh, but I think what's also very important is that if somebody is going to enter and they come into Drada or Dundalk, and if for some reason they actually can't make it or so, that if we if they're lucky enough and their name is taken out of the box, that if they can't make it, that maybe that they they will need someone to stand stand in their place yes. because we don't want uh, and they must be in attendance. So uh, or somebody uh, on behalf of uh, if the person can't be there, somebody must be in attendance on the live draw on that particular day. The thirtieth of May, late lunch coming live from the new garage in Dundalk you must be there ideally the names the boys are going to draw it now there'll be two today you need to be there we're just saying that on the day our representative assigned and properly vetted by you as well now here's the other thing um, the two names that come out today Noel are through so they're gone from the box yeah Everybody else who's in that box and has entered will be in next stays week in. in the week after. Yeah, stays, stays in. in. We keep them rolling until we have the six, the okay. six finalists. And the prize is? A brand new Renault Clio. My word, one of the sexiest little cars you'll ever drive, I promise you. It's worth 20 grand. You'll be so cool moving about in this one. Honestly, let's talk to the boys. Robbie Benson is here and Sean Gannon. Sean Gannon first. Shamrock Rover, St. Pat's Dundalk since 2014. I think, Sean Gannon, you have the Midas touch. When you arrived, it really all began. Well, I don't know about that, but um, I've just been lucky to, you know, kind of join Dundalk when I did. Obviously, I was at St. Pat's the year you know, for Stephen Kenny's first year at Dundalk and they pushed us all the way at Pat's so you know, they already had the core of a great squad and they added I think it was only three or four players the following mm. year and you know, 
rest is kind of history. It is history. Then. And look at your history. I'm just looking. You won the league with Pats, right? Yeah. That time. Yeah. Then you come up to Dundalk. 14, 15, 16 and 18. Four leagues and two FAI Cups as well. You went off injured, did you, in one of the Cup Finals? Yeah, the, the very first Cup Final. Mm. Um, that we, we ended up winning so I was running up the the line the on line crutches and yeah, I can yeah, still yeah. So, see that image yeah. of you that day and the excitement that went when he nearly got a double injury when he was yeah, that excited yeah, yeah, yeah. on the crutches that time round uh, welcome Robbie Benson at Lone Town UCD for a good number of years I saw you playing several times with UCD as well and Dundalk uh, you're there since uh, sorry at Lone Town UCD and Dundalk 2016 you moved to Dundalk well what's it been like what's the difference you know when you're with UCD at college side and a great side and real professional set up there but moving to Oriel Park what was that like for you? Uh, it's just the expectation of winning you know uh, coming into a team that had won uh, two league titles in a row um, you know the pressure was on to perform every week whereas at UCD it's about more about development than um, mm. than anything else so uh, it was definitely that that um, Change. To win, yeah, yeah, yeah that big difference. Yeah, the mentality there. Hey, what about the bat? A Borisov, you scored in the three nil win there, and what about that volley against Legia Warsaw? Yeah, two of the two of the best uh, moments for me personally in my in my time here, and I think for everyone who's who's still here that played in 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 that season, we'll look back at that that time as as the best that they've had. But hopefully. Um, you know, we're coming into the summer now, and another European run will begin. And yes, hopefully we can we can reach That's those heights again. That's the thing. Here you go again. Another year. The draw will be coming up. The final, the first of June between Tottenham and Liverpool, and then sure, only a week or two goes by, and we're into it. And you guys will become centre stage again. Yeah, I'm sure you'd love to repeat that. Hey, Sean, tell me this. What's the new boy like? Well, he's not a new boy, your manager. Of course, he's been there with Stephen Kenny. Is there much of a change with the uh, change in manager? I think. You know all the staff that are there are, you know they've been, they really do everything they can for us. They make it such a, a brilliant environment to be part of. Um, it, not much has changed uh, in terms of mentality of the players and the staff. We all want to win, mm. and we all want to be successful. And um, you know, it, it really does help when when you know that the staff are, you know, really doing everything they can to give you a platform to go and enjoy your football and. Mm and be successful and uh, just make sure that no stones kind of left unturned and you're back top of the pops again that win against Bohemians on Friday night there they're getting messages already I'm sure they have a fan club of their own <laughs> and never mind all that go to the games every week back uh, you know right up there again Rovers huffing and puffing as usual that's all Shamrock Rovers ever do Bozart up to it Cork are gone come on it's Dundalk's title again this year Robbie Benson well, we we certainly hope so, but like the teams you mentioned, will be they'll be pushing us all the way for sure. And um, it's a very strong league, even outside the, the, the teams you mentioned. Uh, yeah, you know, you can come in on any Friday night and he's lost in Sligo. I was over there when he's lost. The Rovers fans were going mad. Yeah, but that's it. Like any any weekend in the league, you can see. You know, it's not that surprising to see any mm. any results. So um, yeah. we need to make sure we're on our toes. Um, going forward and we have been for the last uh, you know since that since that slide of feet you yeah, have you certainly have come on boys will you open the lid off there yeah, Donald yeah. Waters and let them do will you draw one each so we'll, we'll, we'll get Sean first give that big box a shake around and dig deep there Sean and pull out one of the finalists now this person is a step nearer to winning <laughs> Cleo you have a one in six chance this person whoever it is give me that there and let me see who it is I'll read it for you ok the first finalist in the Blackstone Motors uh, Renault Cleo giveaway is Phil Bannon 
And he's Phil Bannon from Ballsgrove in Drogheda. So there's a Drogheda finest. Phil Bannon, well done to you. You are a finest. <laughs> one nil. That's... Pa- Drogheda United one Dundalk nil come on put your hand in there come on Robbie Benson get Dundalk in there into the picture there's an equaliser coming here for sure sure I know it in all friends of Phil she's been a great customer Has all she? these years okay to see her good man Donald so very happy there Robbie Benson picks out the second finalist and big god it's the Royal County we're going to now oh. god it's uh, it's not a Dundalk one but there will be there will be a Dundalk finalist I'm sure Sheila McDonald from Newtown Bow Park in Navin. Well done to you, Sheila. You're in as well. So that's Phil Bannon and Sheila McDonald in the final. Uh, 30th of May, Blackstone Motors, the new garage, Inner Relief Road, opposite KFC. Just to, <laughs> to <laughs> landmark it again. Wherever this came out. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good landmark. It, it is. is. It is yeah. So just to reiterate again, get into Blackstone in Drogheda, in Newgrange Business Park. Get into Blackstone on the Inner Relief Road in the dock. Mm-hmm. Fill out this simple little form. Name, address, telephone number and email. That's all that's on it. It's free. You don't have to take a test drive. And it could be you coming out for the final next week. Two more next Monday, two the following Monday, and then all six to Dundalk for the big day. And we have a big show lined up for everybody with Late Lunch Live on that occasion. Boys, thanks for dropping in, even though you made it by the skin of your teeth. (laughs) But you made it anyway. Good Good luck to you for the rest of the season and to Vinnie Perth, uh, the new manager there as well. And continued success to you all. And boys, we'll see you two back here, Donal and Noel, next Monday with an even fuller box and more (laughs) and two more winners that's it on late lunch for this Monday thank you very much indeed see you tomorrow Eddie's up next with The Drive The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors opening launch sales offers are now available from Blackstone Motors and we are giving away a 191 Renault Clio get down to Blackstone Motors showrooms in Dundalk or Drogheda now to enter LMFM Podcasts. Brought to you with Cartmacross Credit Union. Getting hitched? Cartmacross Credit Union likes to say I do when financing your wedding loan. O'Neill Street, Cartmacross or cartmacrosscu.ie Save big money on plant protection supplies. Now at Menards. Defend your garden with Triazicide Insect Killer. Its fast-acting formula protects lawns, vegetables, and many other plants. It kills more than 260 insects by contact, above and below ground. Choose from ready-to-spray, concentrate, or granular. Save big money on Triazicide Insect Killer at Menards. And check out our weekly flyer on Menards.com for all the great deals happening now. Save